0: This is the Business Breakfast with Rwanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Greg Ellum joins us, Senior Market Analyst at Oanda. Um, normally, we talk about the various gyrations of the of the markets and so on. I think that perhaps this morning we ought to concentrate on something which is going to, whichever way all this goes, there's going to be huge unemployment in this country. We've had a warning from the IMF, and again, we treat everything we have from the IMF as a rearview mirror and all the rest of it, and they can sit in their ivory town and say what they like about things. But... They are warning that Im- unemployment benefit or employment benefit will have to rise here. We saw 10,000 announced yesterday, and this adds to you know, the total, doesn't it? This is going to be a big one. Are we going back to the bad old days of the 70s and the 80s? Do you think 3 million unemployed and all the rest?
1: I'm not sure we're necessarily going back that far, but I, I do think we are going to see a huge spike in unemployment. I don't think it necessarily comes as a shock, unfortunately. I think this day has been coming, and now that it's arrived, it is uh, awfully sad when you see the kinds of numbers that are that are, are, are rising in such a short period of time uh, over the past 48 hours even as, you, as you've just alluded to but it's all coming in the places that you'd expect and the concern for me is there's plenty more companies in those areas that haven't yet announced job losses which are inevitably going to do so there's going to be some companies in other areas that are going to announce job losses and there is going to be surprises um, as well so these numbers are going to get far far worse and like I say that's extremely sad but it, it means that uh, it, it means that the UK is going to have to do a lot if we want if we want to see the kind of recovery that Andy Haldane from the Bank of England mm. yesterday referred to, who was far more. Uh, now I listen, I was, money.
0: okay. Now I was going to ask you about that because I have to say, right? So here we he let's let's get this. So here you have it. Here's the chief economist of the Bank of England contradicting what the Bank of England had said only what a month ago about, or maybe it was, let's give him a bit of grace, say six weeks ago about what was actually going to happen. This is the Bank of England that I know this is done this because I i've reported on it millions of times they've got agents all the way around the country who report in on a regular basis about the economic situation about and where they live jobs and all the rest of it that's how the monetary policy committee that's um, the information upon which the monetary policy committee does its business and here you have the chief economist the bank of it might be good news maybe there will be a v-shaped recovery but it doesn't have point towards the danger of forecasting doesn't it
1: forecasting is not a science we've said this before forecasting is effectively used to guide people in the best in, in the best way possible and it's a lot easier in times of stability than it is in times of instability and at the moment we are living through a time of incredible instability so the forecasting is always going to be increasingly difficult. You are going to see uh, the number or the range of forecasts grow quite, quite, quite enormously uh, during these periods. And also, when you have a monetary policy committee that com- consists of nine people, there is going to be different differing views on that committee. There always is, even in normal times. But in times like this, there is going to be differing views, and they have to come out with one coordinated view. But it's not there to it's not there to be designed to be an exact science. It's there to to be guidance and nothing more. And I think sometimes we can latch. To, too hard onto these, uh, onto these things. And I think the other thing that we have to stress is that every central bank's uh, and every uh, body's views on what the next six months, 12 months are going to look like is evolving every day, let alone every month. Mm-hmm. We've seen the IMF only last week dramatically revised down its uh, forecast for growth from uh, a couple of months ago from three percent 3% to minus 4.9%, and that will be revised again. So these things are going to change quite dramatically because... Let's face it, the situation has been revised dramatically. If we take ourselves back two months to how we were talking about this coronavirus, I'm sure it would sound very different to how it sounds now, and it's the same for them as well.
0: I take it to the Fed as well yesterday, um, calling, should have further clarity it said in its monetary policy intentions there you have it again so you've got another central bank saying do you know what we we'll get we actually do need now to give much more detailed forward guidance do you think that would happen is that a practical thing that central banks can actually do that
1: i don't think it is that easy though i mean i mean we've gone through uh, just over a decade now where central banks have become far more clear and far more transparent in what their intentions are forward guidance wasn't really a thing prior to Two thousand and eight, uh, and the level of transparency that we're seeing now certainly wasn't. So, um, I, I, and there's plenty of people who would argue that. All this additional transparency hasn't just been unnecessary, but in t- in many ways has been quite harmful to the markets because it effectively te- it effectively tells investors what they should be doing uh, and how they should be responding. So I think there there is there is an argument that we don't necessarily need more transparency, that we don't need more guidance because ultimately that leads to this 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 perception that we're being misled, and this leads to people questioning what the actual. What, what the actual benefit of this guidance is. You're asking people to forward, to, 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 to offer predictions into an extremely uncertain future. And if people are taking these predictions far too seriously, then that is in itself is an argument against uh, all this additional transparency. Because like I say, these forecasts are being based on all the information to handle the experience that these policy makers have. And then they're forming judgments on what they believe will happen. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the case. And like like I say, when people are taking those two seriously, that is certainly an argument against adding more.
0: Can Europe save its summer? That's the headline, one of the headlines this morning. This is a story I was reading yesterday. Can it save it? I mean, you're looking at some of these economies, particularly like Spain, who have a huge dependence, don't they, upon tourists? I mean, it doesn't matter what the figures are. We know it's a massive, massive part of their, 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 their GDP. Same with Greece, same with Italy and so on. Same with France. I mean, can can, can this be saved? Do you think that um, people, I mean, people are dying, aren't they, to, from here, at least presumably to, to get off these islands and get into the sunshine and all the rest of what I mean, increasing sunshine. Can
1: the, can the summer be saved? And I think saved is a bit of a clutch, but I think um, I think some of the damage can be undone. I think, as you say, I think there's lots of people, and this is the problem for things like the aviation industries, the travel companies, the tourism-related companies, and all of these countries, and I think that includes the UK really as well. The problem with them is there is a lot of people who are desperate to get out of this country and go somewhere else and have a break from all of the chaos and sit on a beach and read a book and have a bit of a good time, but there's also a lot of people who don't and who aren't ready to do that. So I think what we can see is if we do see um, a a number of these commutes, um, a a number of these uh, options open up, and we do see many of these places reopen, I do think that some of them may just get enough business in order to kind of see themselves through to the end of the year and start to plan for next and hope they're not looking at a repeat of this, whereas keeping everything closed uh, for another year, then we, they, they so, may not be so in, in other fortunate. So, in what you're saying
0: is, whatever happens will just be a bit of a bandage, really, until the end of the year, and then a replanning, maybe a restructuring.
1: I think there's a lot of companies around the world right now who are lo- who are applying many bandages and, yeah, I think this would be just another one and, like say, hopefully enough of a bandage to stop many of these, just adding to the grim numbers that we're seeing around the world.
0: And finally, finally, we're going to get the... U- us payroll numbers the the weekly ones today all the indications are there's going to be quite a, a rise in those again that are they painting a false picture of what's actually happening in the united states and just for our listeners who that wonder why on earth we talk about the united states what just happens to be the largest economy in the world
1: it's the largest economy in the world. If the United States falls into a recession, many of us will inevitably follow, whether we like it or not. Cool. So, yeah, but that's why we follow this so very closely. The numbers they're, they're interesting, uh, but they haven't really been getting the full attention of the markets, and there's a good reason for that. You look at the ADP number yesterday; that seems as a kind of uh, a, a look ahead to the NFP. It's driven by an AD by a private payroll company, ADP and they they announced that there was 2.3 million new jobs this month but last month's figure was revised up from uh, minus 2.7 million up to 3 million that's almost a 6 million uh, revision that's ridiculous when you're looking at a normal job growth is around 200,000 so that just highlights the fact that these numbers are becoming increasingly difficult to collect uh, and to try and analyze and therefore we look at these numbers with interest it's really difficult to gain anything this is these are going to be the type of data that we're analyzing back in uh, three months from now to try and get a grasp of just how much the damage was I don't think this really gives us enormous insight and also just to add to that with the US compared to the UK these numbers include those who have effectively been furloughed who are on unemployment benefits because they are temporarily out of work but with the full intention of going back to work that's not true with the UK unemployment figures so it gives a far more shocking look but the reality is that's going to spike up and in a couple of months time it's going to spike straight back down again. Craig Ellum, thank you very much indeed.
0: This is The Business Breakfast with Owanda
1: on Jazz FM.
0: Online trading, currency data, money transfers.